Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Alisa. Next to being a good friend for many years, she's a brilliant career coach and excels at illustrating how she helps her client, as you will hear. If you work in a corporate job, you have probably been there, performing and delivering beyond expectations and even hinting at your manager that you look for a move up, but somehow, when the time came, you were passed over for that next promotion. And this is exactly what we will tackle today, how you can position yourself for that next career move in ways you may not have heard of before. And spoiler alert, it is not about preparing a salary review meeting two weeks before said meeting. Alisa will give some precious advice that you can start applying today. And I also invite you to do the small mental exercise she proposes during the conversation. It will really help you visualize certain situations at the workplace and elsewhere, actually. So yeah, this episode is absolutely for you if you keep applying for relevant jobs and hope for that next promotion, but somehow get passed over. So without further ado, Let's hear the interview. Hello, Alisa. How are you doing today? Hi, Jonathan. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm good. It's Friday evening here. It's a bit uh, thundery outside, but anyway, I think I'm ready for the weekend. So uh, yeah, very excited. And uh, what about you? Weekend as well? It's coming slowly and uh, gradually. <laughs> Looking <laughs> forward to that. Okay, but uh, before, let's uh, help our listeners with some career advice, Alisa. So, Alisa, um, okay, we know each other privately. We are we are friends uh, since uh, quite uh, some years, actually, uh, even more than ten. Over the years, you have become a career coach and a LinkedIn expert. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do and for who you do it? Uh, sure, I can. So, it started when I was in the recruitment industry and uh, I was doing marketing and I found out that a lot of people actually don't know how to market themselves and to determine their market value. And this is why they don't get the jobs they like and they don't want to get paid as much as they like and so on and so forth. So I started using the marketing principles to help people put their market value right mm -hmm. and achieve more in their careers. So I do work with different levels of people, um, from mid-managers to senior managers to CEOs to um, executive level professionals, I would say. Yeah. And LinkedIn is an important part of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And indeed, we, we talked about uh, LinkedIn uh, almost two years ago now. It's, uh, it's crazy how fast things are going. So... Um, Second time you are, we are talking together for the podcast, so great to have you on. And then uh, today, I uh, think we, we have a few topics to, to dive into. And um, one important one as well, we are here on the Johnny Talks podcast, of course. Salary, career and salary is tied together. But yeah, of course, salaries and uh, career progress is important. And many of the listeners are in corporate jobs. So what we want to do here today is really talk about maybe a topic which we haven't talked about. It's a way to improve your career. I don't know if you have done this before, uh, Alisa, to really go beyond the, the salary negotiations, because what is 
according to you, ways to improve your um, your compensation package? Well, this is a great question, Jonathan, because a lot of people think that salary negotiation happens in that particular meeting. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that it actually happens gradually. And I would say 364 days before the meeting. So your power is to influence what happens before that meeting so that you prime your boss or a recruiter or whoever you would be negotiating with mm -hmm. to actually be ready uh, to give you the raise by the time you enter the room. Because that power is much stronger than what you manage to convey and communicate within that, uh, that meeting. And as we know, a lot of decisions actually have already been made before you go into that meeting. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really good for you to use the time before, as I say, 364 days before to actually make the impact on that particular meeting. Okay. But when you say, okay, let's say one year before, okay, for me, I'm in a job today. So if I want to raise, if I want to negotiate and move up, I can start preparing today. We will go into details. But is that the same that applies for somebody who's looking for a job? I mean, it, definitely. let's say I want to change job, then um, in two months I have an interview or one month. I mean, I don't have this uh, one-year timeline. Exactly. Well, one year is what is enough to mm -hmm. make a big impact and a big change. I'm not promising that you will be able to jump from, I don't know, middle manager to CEO position or vice president position in that one year. But that year is enough for people to realize that you, are, you have changed and your status and your potential has changed from what you have communicated. Now, we say that with active plan of what you want to achieve and with a good strategy, you need between three to six months to be able to make a change. But this is when you really take things in your control and you are in charge of what you're doing and you know you have a plan. Now, if you don't and you think about potential new opportunity as a potential probably coming to you at some point in time, but you are not looking to change today, then I would think that one year, because you won't be focusing very hard on actually communicating your value within those three to six months, if it makes sense. Yes. So you, you talk about this plan. And of course, I mean, if I'm thinking about getting a, a move up, okay, I know I need to perform at work. I know I need to maybe show myself more. I need to realize a few projects I can discuss with my manager up front or um, this kind of things. So what would you say are the common tips to, to do that, Alisa? We usually think that our performance at work is the only thing that counts. And a lot of people make that mistake. So they put in the hours, they do great job. But then at some point in time, when the uh, conversation comes up, they somehow are considered irrelevant for, or not the best choice for that particular promotion or not valuable enough for that raise. So putting in the um, hours and the effort and delivering your results and probably even delivering more is, of course, something you have to do to be able to, uh, to achieve more. So some people actually manage to not do that and still be promoted. But we're not looking at that, that, particular, <laughs> that particular category. But if you really want to be considered as relevant for the next step, you need to show that you're ready for this. So 
there are several ways of how we evaluate the person's profile and their seniority, their level of uh, knowledgeability and how much they're ready to take, for example, a leadership role or mm -hmm. to take up a, a big project like, is he capable of it or is she capable of it? And this comes beyond your skills. This comes from how we perceive you as a resource, as a person, as a leader. And this perception is something that is formed, is a compound um, result of our communication, mm -hmm. our skills, and some external factors that we cannot, cannot influence, like, for example, the experience of the people around you with people like you. So if they have some sort of bias towards you, you cannot influence that. But the things that you can influence is your communication style and is your input. So, and when it comes to communication, there are, again, levels of, of how you communicate. And one of the things that we all know about is your language, right? So mm -hmm. how you speak is the way to communicate. Apart from that, there are actually quite a few other areas where you communicate. And this is how you look. This is your body language. This is the tone of your voice. This is even how much space you take in a meeting. So those nonverbal parts of communication, they're very important. And the verbal communication is another part. So they come together combine your communication power. So which one of this would you like to talk about? Yes, because indeed, huh, I'm, I'm thinking about someone in sales. Let's mm -hmm. say he... He hits the target of uh, 100, then he sells even more, 130. Or somebody, somebody who's in marketing and who makes a marketing campaign that reaches um, even more people with a good uh, conversion rate goes to his boss. But then what can then uh, make him, he, him or her irrelevant is then the, the language or the, these dimensions that you mentioned, how she is communicating or how he is communicating his value besides the performance. So can we have a, a more concrete example? Let's say somebody is a good performer, a, a good accountant, a good, I don't know, financial director. I mean, no, not the director, because then, then he's already made it. But, exactly. Um, a, a good accountant or a good, um, yeah, junior marketer, for example. How can this person communicate his or her value better? Well, let's have one example that's really makes it very visual about the nonverbal communication. Mm -hmm. So there are studies that show that we establish the authority in the group of people within a couple of seconds by from entering the room. And oh. this happens, of course, not by us asking, okay, let's let's put it straight, right? So put your cards on the table, who's who's uh, the boss here? <laughs> so we don't do that, right? We don't ask, we just know. Somehow we walk into the meeting, just remember yourself going in and meeting, for example, three to five people in the room. Even if you don't know them, very fast you will feel who would be the most senior, who will be the one who decides. And there are certain elements that show what they are. And this is about, number one is space. So people who are more senior, they take more space in the meeting. And it doesn't mean that they speak more. Mm -hmm. It means that they, for example, their posture, 
they are more open in in the posture and they they can be you know sitting leaning back on their t- on their chair they could be like spreading your their things out on the table so imagine like you go into a boss office he would be sitting back right and he would be having like his stuff around mm-hmm. and if you go into i don't know a student um a student room somewhere this person would be sitting and having like all his things close to himself and uh, he would probably be i don't know taking less space so the studies have shown that if you want to show that you are more senior try to just physically take more space so spread your arms spread your legs a little bit and just you know make sure that you take a little bit more space so put your pencils and pens a little bit further away from your computer okay. so that it, it's actually it's funny but just imagine how just just try and test it on people and this will give an impression of that you own the space so ownership of the space is one of the things that makes a person be perceived as more senior um the second part is about the confidence that they the confidence that they seem to project project thank you and Again, the studies show that confident people tend to be perceived as more senior. And this confidence comes from within. This is not about bragging. This is not about some other things. It's just being calm. It's being non-emotional mm-hmm. most of the times in the meetings. You can see that emotional people, they are often perceived as not really uh, not senior and not knowledgeable enough and so on and so forth. So this is about this calmness that people have and then there are other things like for example eye contact managers and people in the in the high ranks they have this pattern with the eye contact that when they speak they keep the eyes on you and they do it a little bit longer than the usual person would and when you speak to them if you have a lower rank they would not look at you a lot of the times Mm-hmm. So it means that when they say something, it's really important. So they look at you and they make sure that you listen and that you understand what they're saying. But when you speak to them, they might be, you know, pick up the pen or they might be, I don't know, taking off the glasses. So just try to notice this pattern and see if you can somehow use it in your in your behavior. Now, with nonverbal communication, it can actually play out wrong. If you make drastical changes with people who are used to perceive you as one thing and then suddenly you come in, you know, you throw your jacket on another's table and then you look at them as you own them. Uh, this will not really work, right? So with nonverbal communication, just try to make small changes and see mm-hmm. how it works. And of course, when you meet new people, you can also try and, and do this. And what is funny is that there is another study that was done with specifically nonverbal communication and how uh, the postures. So two people were placed in the room where one person would be um, part of the experiment and another person will be the test rabbit, how do you call them? Mm -hmm. So the person who was part of the experiment, part of the research team, they were asked to take either one or another posture. So one posture would be, they would be sitting with their hands close to them and they will be crossing their legs and they will be kind of taking little space. And the second posture would be that they would be sitting, leaning back on their on the chair. Uh, they would be putting the hands on the 
on the chair behind them. So like a very, very broad pose, like like a big, um, taking a lot of space. Mm -hmm. And they were watching how the other person coming in, not knowing anything about that person who was sitting in front of them, how they would be sitting. Because we do adapt our style and our seniority or authority rank according to the other person in the room. Now, they were not specifically told to do that, the test rabbits. They were said, well, you just go in and you sit down and you look at some paintings and they put some paintings on the wall. And this other person was sitting in front of them. Now, when the uh, part of the research team, when this person was taking a big posture owning the space, mm -hmm. the person coming in was automatically taking a posture that is less senior. So they would be kind of, you know, I, I just came in here just to look at some paintings, excuse <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. kind of, mm -hmm. um, even though they were not interacting. And while the other person, the test, per no, the research group person, if that person was sitting in a kind of um, small person kind of posture, the person who would come in, the test rabbit, they would take much more space. So they would feel like, okay, I'm the boss. So I, I just need to have a look at some paintings here. So it actually is funny, not knowing anything about the other person, you can establish the authority um, and have some impact by doing a conscious effort. So try to just observe the people in the room. Uh, next time you have a meeting, when you go into an interview, when you go to, I don't know, meet some clients and so on and so forth, and try to, to see what kind of perception you give and what kind of perception would be relevant for that particular situation. So it's usually a good tactic to place yourself slightly lower if you're meeting new people, because then you're kind of, you know, the humble you. Mm -hmm. But if there is some sort of competition or if there is some sort of where you need to prove yourself, where you need to present a project, then please take a lot of space, show them you own <laughs> the room, even if you, you know, even if you're there for five minutes. Just walk in and own the room. Just feel like you are the person who has invited all these people to come and listen to you. Mm -hmm. That would work. Yeah. And, and I just imagine the scene of the museum in the, I mean, to see the paintings in my head. No, I can see it working really, because I just imagine this place and a person sitting a bit more like uh, closer to himself or herself. Yeah. Mm. You kind of feel cool. Right? Yeah, I, I feel kind of relaxed. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm looking some painting, don't bother me or... Yeah, just let me do my thing and I and I will leave. Yeah, I, and then with a more dominant, yeah, I could feel myself maybe a bit more uh, humble. <laughs> no, no, I, I really eat work. So it's um, a very good example, Alisa. And then one thing I'm just curious about is, you know, when you try to do this posture, mm -hmm. when you try to make these changes up or down, does it affect as well your mental, uh, your, yeah, I mean, your present oh, definitely. mental state? Oh, definitely. There is definitely, there is research saying that your hormones, the, the content or the, the levels of your hormones, they're changing mm -hmm. after a couple of minutes of being sitting in one or another, another position. So if you put yourself in a small kind of posture and uh, you would be restricted, restrained, a couple of minutes in that position would make you feel more stressed or would mm -hmm. make you your uh, your um, there is one hormone that is responsible for stress that goes goes up. And then if you take big posture with the you know grand opening of your arms and, and mm -hmm. everything, if you just sit um, very relaxed, taking a lot of space and within a couple of minutes, 
your level of confidence and your hormone levels um, of stress will be reduced. So this is quite funny. I mean, you can try and do this exercise if you just, you know, lean on, on the back of your chair. Now, everyone who's listening, just let's try and do that. <laughs> you lean on your chair and then you open up your arms and you just make yourself really comfortable and you imagine you're the boss. Just a couple of seconds. Do that. And now try to say something like, I'm a loser. I will match. never make <laughs> exactly like I will never make it happen or like it just won't work. And and I mean it, it doesn't really match. And then if you put yourself now, just try and put like cross your legs and try to to kind of make them small and put your arms in like on your lap so that you don't take much space. And then just try to take as little space as possible. And when you are in that position, just try and say, I'm on top of the world. I'm cool. I'm <laughs> confident. I'm amazing. Like it just doesn't work, right? Okay. No, very, very good. And then, um, Alisa, so there's two more things I'd like to speak about here with regards to this nonverbal or actually verbal cues that you can give to the person in front of you. So you mentioned mm -hmm. something about clothing as well. So you, should you wear a suit every day or? A... Oh, well, that's more complex than that ah, because okay. you really need to see how the context and the environment uh, mm -hmm. around you is because it can actually play out the wrong way. Um, I mean, if you go to a client who is very um, casual and, I don't know, it's a creative agency of some sort, and then you go in to sell them something and you come in in this stiff uh, suit and, and you're like, oh, so cool. There won't be a match with this particular company. So most likely they will mm -hmm. think, oh, no, this person will never understand us. So they're, they're too, I don't know, commercial or or traditional corporate for that. So that always depends on context. But the general rule about dressing is dress like you already have the job you want. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be the boss, if you want to earn, I don't know, 100K more, well, you need to make sure that you already project that kind of confidence. Like I have read about this um, sociopaths. There was a funny book about this. And um, they say that one of the things that they're using very effectively is the dressing. So if they go in and they need to scam someone, I don't know, make them lend them a lot of money and then never see them again. Mm -hmm. And they have never seen this person, right? So they need to use all of those nonverbal clues to make sure that the other person believes that they are trustworthy, they have a lot of money, they are confident of delivering on whatever they're promising and so on and so forth. So they're using this kind of um, visual appeal mm -hmm. very effectively. So if you want, uh, like fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. So if you want to be perceived like a boss, well, make sure you dress like one. Well, not, <laughs> yeah. not necessarily, don't, don't try to be dressing better than your boss, but it doesn't really, um, it doesn't really um, harm you to be dressed uh, slightly better than you would uh, be dressing at now. Uh, in your current job usually mm. okay now very good and then of course then there is the language you use exactly so language is a funny funny tool because we're born with it and a lot of people and most of the people we're using it subconsciously right we have learned to use it and we don't really think that much about, okay, which word should I use now? This or that one. Mm -hmm. When you are in the meeting, you just don't have time for that. You're 
thinking simultaneously as, as you're speaking. So, uh, but the language is one of the very important tools to communicate your seniority, your authority, your knowledgeability, and your potential, your leadership skills, and so on and so forth. So the perception you want to create in the market, be it your current working place, be it outside of your working place, uh, be it in your industry. This impression is very much formed by the language. Also, because we are using a lot of written communication, mm -hmm. but also in the meetings. Now, with written communications, it's again, it's quite easy. Just imagine if you receive two emails, probably hard to imagine, but if you receive two emails from the same company saying approximately the same things, you would be able to say which one comes from a junior manager and which one comes from the CEO, I promise you. Mm -hmm. So based on the language, you would be able to tell the difference. Now, this is, again, something that you can work on. So the language is possible to be adjusted. The new language patterns you can learn to make sure that you use them to actually be perceived as more senior, as more knowledgeable, as more, I don't know, ready, valuable, and uh, having more potential. There are certain rules um, I have identified based on a lot of research and conversations that I'm now using with my coaching clients. And it's amazing how different the stories become after they have used one tool or another. So just to give you... Would you like me to give you... Yes, I was going to ask for examples or so that we can see, for example, a difference if you have... Well, I have it written somewhere, but uh, that would be next time probably. But I can give you an example that is about using the strong words. Yes, that would be good. Yeah. That would be one that everyone would not need to be to see, uh, to understand. When we speak about our role... Uh, this is probably the easiest example to understand when it comes to job search or when it comes to reporting on some project, when it comes to negotiating with your, with your boss. When you speak about your results and when you speak about your role and how the project went, a lot of people think that, you know, boasting is not nice and I would really not like to kind of make it very big. Well, I have done that and this was good, right? And you don't really want to appear like you're boasting. So being humble self is sometimes not helping you to achieve the next step. Now, I'm not saying that you need to boast, but being humble self makes that you would subconsciously be using weaker words to describe what you have done. Now, I've had coaching session with this one uh, professional uh, lady in her 40s. She was a CEO before she got kids. When she got kids, she went out on maternity leave and then she came back and she became CFO. So she was asked if she could replace this person who would be a CFO. So this was a step down, but it helped her. It, it, was, it suited her at that point in time. Now, a couple of years later, she when I met her, she said, well, I'm ready for the next step. I'm ready to go back to being a CEO. Mm -hmm. uh, not in that particular company, because there the changes have been made and so on and so forth. But I would be um, looking and I have been looking. But it seems like 
I just don't get my way. Like somehow, if I'm invited to the interview, um, I come to the last round, but I never get the job. Somehow I never get the job. And um, she said, well, she had all this. She showed me a couple of positions that she was applying to. And she had all the experience. She knew exactly where the company should be going. She she kind of, she suited perfectly well, but somehow someone else was uh, preferred. And it happened several times. So she really didn't understand what was the reason. And um, that's when I said, well, why don't you just try and tell me, talk to me. So tell me, what is it that you do in your current job? And the seconds that she started explaining, I understood, I spotted straight away why she might not be appeared, appearing as relevant. And this was because she kept using your uh, using um, words that placed her at number two. Oh. So this is really interesting because this is subconscious, right? But she was, again, she was a CEO before. She was kind of being humble about her experience and she was delivering great progress and results. But when she was speaking about some projects in the company, she would be saying something like, I was the right hand of the CEO, or I am, she was at that, at that point in time. And I'm assisting the leadership group with this particular project. And um, we have delivered uh, this on behalf of the um, management group. So she was always saying assisted, advised, like she was not the one in charge. Yeah, like the she right was hand. just, yeah. exactly. She was just kind of helping out, right? Mm -hmm. She was not leading. And uh, technically, she was actually responsible for all those projects that she was leading. And she was leading a team of people and she was recruiting, like she was actually doing all the job. But by how she spoke, somehow it sounded like she was a junior person or she wasn't the, the boss, right? Yeah. She was just helping. And uh, this is something that actually uh, stopped her, it seems like, because after a couple of sessions when she actually spotted those words and we made sure that we removed it from her vocabulary, so we changed these words to be in charge, to lead, to be responsible, to take control over something, to, I don't know, manage the team and manage the process, um, to more active uh, words with a lot of power. When we did that, she a couple of months later, she came back to me and she said, well, you know what, I got a job. I actually got two offers, so I'll be I will be choosing from them. And they were both uh, of the CEO roles. So that's quite amazing how much your language can affect, again, because her position or her knowledge has not changed within those couple of months. And the types of companies she was applying to, it wasn't really much different. So it is about how you communicate if you're ready. Okay, no, I think that's very clear. It's very, it's a very good example. So, uh, thank you, Alisa. And then I'm thinking about so the people in their jobs and they want the next promotion, mm -hmm. so they can start implementing the tips you talked about. Definitely. So growing a bit uh, your space in meetings, mm -hmm. um, trying to little by little, as you said. Then you can try to work on your language a little by little. Do you think it's it's um, really achievable to do that. In, so you need to start with a plan of one year or six months at least for sustaining this change to be to change the perception or how does that work? Because let's say today you're not perceived as a leader. Exactly. How, how does that work then? Because you can do all this change. It's not only simple tips because it, I can see how it can compound, but 
you know, maybe for the listeners who are like a bit skeptical or, or on the fence, definitely. How, how does that really work? Because internally or the perception, because the perception of others is difficult, is more difficult to change than uh, your own uh, progress. Definitely. So the clue here, what we did not talk about today, what mm -hmm. we talked about a little bit last time, I remember, is how you define and perceive your market value. Mm -hmm. This is where it starts, because when you uh, and with market value, I just I don't I don't mean that you just need to say, oh, I'm valuable and I'm expensive. I don't know. You need to understand what is the value you're bringing into that company. Mm -hmm. And you need to make it very clear both for yourself and for people around you. So if you need to be that person who would be invited to a meeting for that particular skill. So to give you an example, at one, uh, one um, uh, place I worked, we had this one guy who was the best person who could talk to IT geeks. Like we had all those, um, all those wonderful projects and geeks. I'm, I'm now not trying to offend anyone. Geek is actually a compliment in my, in my <laughs> vocabulary. So the IT geeks, meaning that they're just so knowledgeable and it's some hard, sometimes hard for you to understand them and mm -hmm. for them to understand you, right? So geeks don't always speak human. Now, this guy, he was technical, but he could speak human mm -hmm. or the other way around. He was geek, but he could speak human or he was he he was he, not he was human and could speak geek. no exactly exactly the other way around yes so and he would be invited so i was leading a project a technical project of developing a technical solution and this guy i had to have him in the meeting to make sure that he jumps in when i really need to make them to have them to understand so he had that position because I knew that this is something that I could get with him and no one else. So this kind of skill, you need to be looking in yourself. And this kind of skill, you need to make sure that you show at your workplace. So once you have started to understand that this is me, this is the value I'm bringing, mm -hmm. and you start to see the opportunities to use that value in other people's projects or in some, some bigger projects that Keep, that take you outside of your little job position, yep. this will create the visibility that you want to have in your company or in your industry or in your country. When people start knowing that we need that guy because he can this, this is when your success comes in, when you start jumping up, right? And again, all of the things that we've been talking around uh, now about nonverbal communication and verbal communication, this is something that helps on top of that skill. So without showing that skill, without making sure that people understand what, you, what your value is, mm -hmm. it's really hard to establish that kind of value in the market or to make someone understand that you need a raise. It sometimes helps with some people who are just really good at it somehow that, you know, well, they, they achieve the promotion, but they really don't have anything behind it. There are some people like that, but they need to be like truly manipulators and truly, truly good at those um, in between the lines things. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend that. But <laughs> if you define your value and your skill clear enough, it would be easy for you to communicate it, to show it to people around you. And when you show it, you need to use everything else around your communication 
and not just that skill. Because people will not always understand that this is a skill that they that that is hard to learn or this is a skill that that I you know it's not so easy to to get. So it's again your communication around your value is what makes people actually see that value. Yes, indeed. I mean, you you have a value, so define it for yourself, and mm. then you need to. It's selling. It's selling basically. Exactly. Yeah. And then, if you yourself don't perceive yourself as the boss, well, no one would ever will. No one yeah. would ever will. True. You know, it's like I'm trying to. I, I give this example sometimes when I speak um, about career. You need to define your uniqueness. Put it in in a very big word, but mm-hmm. still, and you know. The situation where another person, if you don't know it yourself, the situation to expect it from another person to explain to you what your uniqueness is, this person has to be in love with you. This is the only situation when the other person can see your uniqueness when you don't. <laughs> yeah. So, and and our bosses do not tend to be in love with us and <laughs> recruiters do not tend to be in love with us. So... If you are not really confident and and clear about your value, well, don't expect anyone else to be. Very good. No, Alisa, I think uh, yeah, no, no, those are excellent tips, and I like how you how you frame them and explain them. It's it makes it very clear and actually very action actionable actually for the listeners. I, I think to me the um, most of the tips are quite easy to implement. The hardest mm-hmm. part will be maybe to do the hard work of defining your value and work on the language. Exactly. And the language, there are more tips than use the strong words, of course. It's about using active language. It's about avoiding the details at, at certain points in time. Yes. It, mm-hmm. It's it's a long list of those rules that you can practice. But I don't think that we have the time to go through all of them. So maybe next time. Yes, if exactly. I'm, I will be happy enough to come back. Very good. And then maybe just one last thing before we close. Is that, uh, okay, we are, uh, I mean, you're a career coach for various levels of people. And then, okay, the markets, uh, you know, okay, it's a bit turbulent with COVID, with the, are we going back to normal, the vaccinations ongoing? Do you mm. see any specific trends or shifts in the in the marketplace for uh, yeah, job seekers or, uh, I mean, in, in general? Yes, we do. Well, I won't go through what happened when COVID stroke, but very briefly, we basically pushed the fourth industrial revolution even further ahead. Mm-hmm. And meaning that companies have started to use technology much more. We have started to change the processes of how we work, how things are done, how things are delivered, and so on and so forth. So while we have been living with Corona for some time and everyone was thinking that this is permanent, uh, this is temporary, now I think most of the companies have started to realize the benefits of doing things more digitally, more flexibly, more, I don't know, distantly. So we are not coming back to normal. And this actually will push a big shift in the uh, labor market, because as soon as the economic activity comes up uh, on the usual levels, or at least like on on, um, on the normal uh, on the normal levels, there will be coming new jobs. They will be given to the people who have shown that they're ready to do something different. Now, the new jobs are not something that we have seen before. So they will be 
demanding different skills. They will be demanding to go to take the company to a different market to, I don't know, put in a digitalization process in place mm-hmm. to kind of support what have started, have been started you know, during Corona. So these jobs will be really exciting. They were really new and they will create a chain reaction in the market. So basically when, you know, the top people, they, and when I say top is the expertise and so on, everything else, not the, the top level people. So when the top people will take those exciting top jobs, basically every level at the company will have an opportunity to jump up. And this is the opportunity that you need to take. So get ready. And I say this autumn um, and next, next, no, this, this winter, next winter, whatever it is. So from this autumn, I would say September, October, November, expect big things to happen. And now you have some time to actually start working on showing that you're ready to take those exciting jobs. Okay, well, let's uh, jump on these opportunities. And uh, thank you for um, enlightening us on on that uh, coming trend, Elisa. And yeah, it's good to see that uh, things are changing and going the right way. So let's see, the future looks exciting. (laughs) There is something good about COVID after all. Yes, it's, uh, it's a lot of bad, but yeah, I mean... In every difficult situation, there comes opportunity. Yeah, indeed. So anyway, so Alisa, thank you again very much. And yeah, before I let you go, as you may know, we always have our three quick fire questions. Right. So are you ready? I am. Perfect. So the number one book, okay, we talked career and um, on salary, etc. But what has been your best investment uh, so far? My best investment so far has been in skills. Mm-hmm. So I'm a true believer of evolving. And the more you evolve, the more opportunities you create. So it's about investing in uh, in skills. And I have done quite a lot of that uh, in the last, I don't know, 10 years. So constant learning is my best investment. It, cre- it requires time and money and effort. But this is definitely the best one. Yeah, I can see how it paid off. And, um, Thank you. <laughs> and and then Alisa, a second question. What is a book uh, you can recommend to anyone? It does not need to be financial or career related. Just any book that you say, please read this. Right. I have this one that is amazing. It's about saying no, you know, in this world when we yeah. have so much things around us and it kind of makes it difficult to prioritize. And it's called Essentialism. It's by Greg McKeon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's also on LinkedIn. And every time he writes something like a status, it's amazing. I just sit there. It's it's one line and uh, you just go and think about it for a week. So make sure you follow him and, and get the book. Oh, OK. Then uh, I will follow him uh, right after this interview. Very good. <laughs> so, Alisa, the last question. What is a purchase that you've made for under 100 euros or a thousand Norwegian kroner since you live there <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well i would say it's a pool membership this is yeah it's actually the best purchase under 100 euro i've ever made okay perfect perfect keeping in uh, good health and good shape um well okay alisa so of course you shared a lot of very good tips where and how can the lis- the listeners contact you well the easiest way would be linkedin so uh, find me, add me. If you put in the invitation that you've heard the podcast, I would be happy. Um, if not, well, 
there is a chance that will not accept, but there is a chance that that will. So LinkedIn is the best way. I have a series of websites, but LinkedIn is the easiest one. So all your clients, they find you through uh, LinkedIn. You don't have a, a specific programs, coaching programs uh, coming up or anything? Um, I have one. It hasn't been announced yet, um, but there will be, because of the situation on the um, on the labor market, there will be one uh, in um, August, September. So it will be announced on LinkedIn, and this would be about defining the market value and pushing it out there. So it's about, it's for those people who want to achieve more in their careers and mm -hmm. basically a little bit of what we have been talking about and a lot about what we haven't. Um, this is about the market value and how to communicate it. Um, yeah, LinkedIn is where it will be, um, it will be announced. Okay, perfect. Well, Alisa, it was a pleasure, of course, to talk to you. So have a nice evening and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It was lovely to to have you as a host, and I'm very happy and pleased that I've received the invitation. Have a wonderful weekend. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. I certainly did, especially with taking more space to signal more seniority or authority. So yeah, I will definitely try to apply it myself today from today. So let's see. So if you find this conversation useful as well, please make sure you share it with a friend. And you can also read the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So if you do so, thank you very much. And now let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, on salary negotiations. The decision is made a long time before your meeting, new job or promotion, and it happens gradually. Actually, 364 days before, to raise awareness around you about your potential and have an impact on the perception of others, it can easily take between three to six months when you have a plan. Getting a raise is not only about performance at work and putting in the hours and effort, you need to show you're ready to move up. Number two, on perception, pay attention to your language, verbal and nonverbal. Authority is established in a group of people within a couple of seconds. Now think of the example at the painting gallery. So how can you apply that at your job? Observe senior people in meetings, take space, have an open posture, lean back, spread stuff on the table. This one I didn't know about. Take ownership of the space. Your posture also affects your mental state. You'll feel more confident with an open posture. Project confidence from within, so be calm, non-emotional. This takes time, huh? it doesn't come uh, at once, so work on that. Maintain eye contact longer and practice and make those changes step by step. Huh? You don't want to change from one day to the other, it will seem weird to people. <laughs> Number three, language. We are born with it, we use it subconsciously, but you can learn to improve it. It's a very important tool to communicate authority and potential. And think about it, how do you explain your role and achievements in an interview setting, for example? You know, being humble is nice, but it may lead you to use weaker words. And we all struggle with this, even CEOs like Alyssa's client. Number four, labor market, expect big changes and new types of jobs. So be ready. And last but not least, you need to understand the value you bring to the company. So show your skill, your value at the workplace to create the visibility you want. And I will quote Alisa, if you don't perceive yourself as the boss, no one ever will.
So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.